interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. It is the, you know, the most wonderful time of the year. It's that time where hope springs eternal and uh, Husker football is just less than a week away. And if you, by the way, if you don't have a place to watch it uh, with friends, come watch with me. Yes, I'm actually inviting you to the church to watch, to watch it on the big screen, and I will give you a warm welcome. But be warned, this is not Pastor Stu, this is Husker fan Stu, and things get a little nutty. So if you're, if you're not prepared to high-five, if you're not prepared to hoot and holler, if you're not prepared to be a fan, don't come, because this is... Uh, this is football, and we're going to do football. And I am so pleased to have a special edition of Friendly Fire today with the, uh, he is the program director, but he's also the sports director at uh, KLIN, and that is Caleb Henry. How you doing? I'm great. I don't think I've ever watched. So is it is it set up for for a game just in the sanctuary? Actually, uh, we have a we have a separate room. We call it the hearth room where there's a fireplace. Okay. And we've got the monster big screen. And it's a bring your own food, bring your own drinks, uh, hangout time. Wonderful. Where anybody who wants to, it's open. It's open. But you can't be a spoil sport. You got to cheer. You got to be there. Got to wear red and be ready to be happy with everyone else. Or or sad, I guess, depending on how (laughs) things go. We've we've had them both, haven't we? (laughs) Yes. This is, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to break down all kinds of things today. And I I appreciate uh, Caleb and his willingness to be here. Today, and because I needed, I'm not an expert. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a baby boomer fan. Which do you know what that means, Caleb? A baby boomer fan, fan of the Huskers. Well, that would mean that you're used to a lot more success, and then now the teams just aren't great. So you kind of tune out every now and then. Uh, no, no, no. That's close. That's close. <laughs> I'm used to great success, and I am so. I am so conditioned for success that even when they stink, I think they're going to find a way to win. And so mm-hmm. I, I, okay. have, I have completely unrealistic expectations. They have been formed from my youth, and I can't overcome that. So you are going to be the voice of objectivity today. Oh, I'll try. Because I'm, I'm incapable of object, objectivity. I spend too much, I was going to say so much, but it's definitely too much time around Jack Mitchell to where <laughs> that objectivity becomes absolute drink the Kool-Aid, we're, we're all in at all times on optimism. Yes. But then, yeah, you're right, because of, because of my position and the little bit of like the journalistic part, the media part that, that mm-hmm. seeps into what I do, yeah. there has to be a little bit of objectivity on the... Well, I can't pick Nebraska to go twelve and zero because that's too unrealistic. Yes. Although all of us would be happy if that were the case, if that's yes. where what ended up happening, we would we would love that. But <laughs> we all we all know that there's probably going to be a process here. Uh, let's start with the most basic question before we get to drinking the roulette. <laughs> uh, the uh, as you as you reflect, now you've had a you've had a good long year to reflect on the the frost tenure mm. and the previous things. What if you were, well, I call this an autopsy. When something goes wrong, you got to do an autopsy. You got to say, well, how did this, what killed this? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just a little bit of time as you've had a, a year to reflect on this. If you had to, to, to identify the cause of death right. for, for, uh, for some horrible seasons, uh, anything's popped to mind? 
when I've talked about this before, and it, it seems even more apparent now when you have a new coaching staff come in who has worked with great administrators and you have Trev Alberts in here who, who has a good foundation for everything going on, it, it really seems like when Scott Frost was hired from UCF, he was ill-equipped for the position in that there was not enough management around him and what I mean by that is I don't think Bill Moose was in a position at the very end of his tenure as a career Mm -hmm. to be hands-on enough for a first-year power five head coach at a place like Nebraska Mm -hmm. so I don't think Scott Frost had the support that he needed when he got to town Mm -hmm. you have some of the the wheels start to they're, they're not catching the dirt as much as they need to out the gate you're sliding around a little bit you hit a COVID year so Things get a little bit wacky anyway, so you're you're already off kilter. And by the time you do get a change in that administration, you get Trev Alberts in there. At that point, the program with the, with the Frost tenure had become a point that it was terminal. There was kind of no really turning it around, yeah. despite getting that extra year, coming back for another three games, and then being let go. But it seemed like for me, there was not enough administrative support to bring Scott Frost along. Not saying he still would have been successful, but I think that was enough of a detriment that he couldn't get his legs under him as a head coach with the entire coaching staff. Now, you can get into a lot of other coaching decisions, assistant coaches here and there, recruiting, all of those different things, but for me, the number one thing that got the Scott Frost era in trouble is that there was not the administrative support someone like him would have needed to have a foundation to be successful. Now that I think that would be surprising to a lot of people because they think, well, if they anything, Nebraska's got anything, they've got support. <laughs> but this is um, again, uh, every world is different. This is a very unique world, and uh, and so that uh, that's a, that's a kind of an insight that a lot of us are just going to miss. We're not going to see that. How much does now? Okay, let's go ahead and turn the corner here. Uh, okay, what are some of those intangibles that Matt Rule brings with him that help fill that gap? the the fact that he has experience at this level and mm-hmm. and yeah he spent a, a few years at Temple then he was at Baylor and now he's gone off to the NFL and that's such a different leadership position because of the things that hey Matt Rule has failed he did fail in the NFL and you learn stuff through failing mm-hmm. and you think about what what Scott Frost had gone through he hadn't really failed as as a professional in 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 his coaching career mm-hmm. from what he had done at Oregon and then at UCF and yeah they had a 6 and 6 year but then to come back the next year and go undefeated all he had experienced was success so you don't really know how someone turns themselves around Matt Rule has experienced both failure and success at the college level when he comes in and those year ones have not been good at Temple or Baylor mm-hmm. What he also has going for him is how much he has worked with administrations and how he talks about having the entire administration all the way down to the players all on the same page with the things that are going on. And yeah, there there was an announcement this week on some major changes that will come to the Nebraska's administration, but... Matt Rule has worked with athletic directors and chancellors and presidents and whatever the structure is, and he knows how important those those people and what they bring to a university mm-hmm. is for a football program. And so mm-hmm. him just having more experience, having experienced failure especially, mm-hmm. because that to me is the biggest thing for him, is something that he comes in 
already just better equipped for a situation and the fact that there is an administration here. There's an athletic director that is going to be hands-on and wanting to get the football program off the ground. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's outgoing, but you had a president here and and there's a new chancellor, but uh, the chancellor that was here when Rule was hired last year, they've all set a foundation for things to be successful. It wasn't the same case back in uh, 2018. Now, the average person we hear, it's uh, Ted Carter uh, is gone, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we, we chancellor, president, I mean, I went to the University of Nebraska. <laughs> I'm an alum. And the, the only description I could give you is roughly that the chancellor is more like the academic CEO mm-hmm. and the president is more like the business CEO. Is that... Is so, that so even the, remotely close? It, it's close because for the president who's not tied to a single campus, and that's the way ne- the structure is for the Nebraska University system, mm-hmm. you have the chancellor who is in charge of that campus, UNL, mm-hmm. um, and you just got a, a, a new one in here, and there's a different chancellor at UNK and UNO and yes. UNMC. Mm-hmm. The system president oversees all of those chancellors. Those chancellors all... Uh, report to the system president, who then reports directly to the Board of Regents. The reason that this is, and you're right though, that it is more of a business side on they're going to go talk with people about fundraising, about big picture for all of the campuses. Mm -hmm. The reason that the Ted Carter departure is getting so much run right now is because of changes that were made to that position a few months ago when the Board of Regents added Husker Athletics oversight to the system president, which then means he is the person who is sitting on the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, which Mm -hmm. makes decisions on conference expansion, which back in 2020 made the decisions about do you play football or sports or not? Can you have Mm -hmm. fans in attendance? So there's a lot of decisions. And the reason that it seems so much bigger now and when you talk about people, well, with Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne, I couldn't have told you who the chancellor or president or any of that was. I completely get it, and it makes sense because in that day and age, you just needed a good football coach who had a good relationship with an athletic director. Mm. Now, because of how much that business side has seeped into everything mm-hmm. and how much what happens at the NCAA level nationally and what happens at the conference level mm-hmm. – who sits on that council of presidents and chancellors, previously the UNL chancellor, now it's the system president, that position holds so much value to Husker Athletics that it just didn't before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to unpack a little bit more of what's happening nationally. And, of course, we're going to, we're going to dig into the season and make some predictions and all those kinds of things. And I just, I'm going to make a prediction about the predictions, <laughs> that my predictions are going to be more, more optimistic than Caleb's. <laughs> but, uh, but that really, you didn't have to be a psychic to figure that one out, did you? All right, it's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Caleb Henry. He is the sports director at KLIN. Glad to have you along. Freshen up the coffee. Just getting started on 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Caleb Henry. He's the sports director here at KLIN. And uh, before we get to the the season, you know, offense, defense, and some of those nuts and bolts, 
Um, this conference expansion thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so now, <laughs> now we've got, looks like four teams on the West Coast. Is that right? That, well, and we don't technically have to learn those guys until next year. Okay. So, so we still get this year where it's the 14 yeah. teams in the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, and we're and, still playing for a West Division. And yeah, and this is the last year of a division yeah. as well. So it's the last year that you will play those geographic Big Ten West teams. Gotcha. Gotcha. But but yeah, in the future things are going to start to get wacky when you add yeah. USC and UCLA, and then as the Pac-12 really blew up uh, just about a month ago, not even mm-hmm. that long ago, mm-hmm. Oregon and Washington also joining the Big Ten. The schedule is going to look very different. Who you play on a year-to-year basis is going to start yeah. to look very different. Yeah. Okay, now I've, we know that money drives all this stuff. Markets drive the money, and so now the Big Ten is you got the Los Angeles market, you've got the Seattle market, you've got all these different uh, mar- are there any markets out there that aren't in the Southeast Conference that that still have that could have kind of value to the Big Ten? Right, and so there's there, there's a couple parts to this because markets drew a lot of that expansion you saw from 2010 to 2014, and obviously Nebraska joining the Big Ten and pseudo being Kansas City market because mm-hmm. of how many people is more of a regional thing there. But yeah, you get mm-hmm. Omaha. Um, mm-hmm. Omaha's not Kansas City. Omaha's not yeah. L.A., yeah. you know. But, yeah. but yes, it's one thing to have those markets. Right now, a massive thing that wasn't, wasn't so much talked about 10, 12, 14 years ago is the streaming. And because of mm. streaming, your markets still matter, but so many people aren't on cable. So it becomes, what are the size of the fan bases? Mm. And for Nebraska, you have a massive fan base. So like you're, you're good on that. But when you start to look at who you would expand with, it becomes, mm-hmm. what is the size of your brand? What is your alumni base gotcha. as well? Right up there with, you're still going to talk markets, but markets don't carry as much of that share when you're looking at potential expansion candidates. But mm-hmm. you're right. One of the things that has helped out the, the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, is that any expansion they want doesn't have to be coast to coast because they have, well, have had two Power Five conferences in their backyard. And I guess if you start to get to the Power Six and you get the American in there, they're all in the SEC footprint where the ACC right up along their coast, some of them within the states that they already have schools, and they already went a little bit west when they added Missouri back at the same time Nebraska left the Big 12, but now Oklahoma and Texas, well, and Texas A&M in there as well. So for the SEC, they are almost in a stronger position with their expansion than the Big Ten is, because it's still their geographic footprint, and people yeah. like that. Yeah. But the Big Ten going coast-to-coast, coast, now we're going to see what this looks like expansion with there's the markets, there's the streaming, what is what is Big Ten Network, what does BTN Plus look like? Now when you start to add in CBS, and then you add in Peacock, and I'll, I'll be up front, it's also now going to be expensive to follow all of your favorite teams when they're on yeah. all of these different services. Yeah. That, yeah. to me, is um, besides the fun part of having geographic rivals it's it's now hard as a fan and for me as a media member who's also a fan and i have to follow these it's going to become very expensive to follow your teams especially if you're a fan of not just football but you want to follow all the volleyball and they're going to play some out of conference games and they might be on espn plus so now you have to have that as well and, and yeah. women's basketball is going to go play in a non-conference tournament and they're on flow sports and now you have to add that and yeah. there's there's just so much that that gets added to it but yeah the the markets still count 
but what you can do streaming numbers is increasing its percentage of what it what yeah. it counts in as well. Yeah. By the way, I I, I mean I know that my, you know my Hulu bill and all those <laughs> apps are they're, yep. they're they're creeping up. I get that. But having said that. I choose the app. If I if I want to get rid of it, I can get rid of it. Yeah. And uh, when I was with you know another you know satellite TV and so forth, it was just here's your here's your big blanket yeah. package of you know a thousand channels that you'll never watch mm-hmm. and, and four that you really use. Right. And so at least I I do feel like there's more agency for me to say mm-hmm. yes no yes no as opposed to okay here's everything under the moon. Good luck finding it. <laughs> and then and it's gonna and and there's no way to chop down that fee if I change my mind. Right. I do hope, as you see more of the streaming become paramount to to what the conferences are doing, something like a big t- BTN Plus, what they do for that. And I think it's fantastic that they're able to go grab students from these campuses to do some of the games. Yep. You won't typically see them do like a men's basketball game, but yeah. they will do women's basketball. Our own Matt McMaster called a game la- a couple games last year mm-hmm. that were on BTN Plus. And one of them made sports, yeah, in baseball, you'll, you'll see some volleyball on there, softball for sure, a lot of the other Olympic sports. I'm really hoping the production value goes way up in that. Yeah. That that especially baseball. Yeah. Baseball for sure. To me that is the one that the production value has been severely lacking. Now you have speaking of new, you have a brand new Big 10 commissioner mm-hmm. in in Tony Petiti this year and he comes from Major League Baseball specifically on what they have done with their streaming and MLB TV. Mm-hmm. Hopefully for the Big 10 and BTN Plus that means increased production value for what we've been paying for when at times it yeah. seemed like it was a mom at a legion game set up a <laughs> set up an iPad right behind home plate and that was your one shot yeah. of the field. Yeah, no. I've, and I've watched a few of those. Yeah, we're talking to you Indiana. Yeah, that's right. We we know who we're talking about. That's right. That's right. If you were well, if you were the uh the uh, commissioner of the Big 10 mm-hmm. and you were looking to fill out the roster, not that it isn't pretty complete Ooh. now. Are there any other Schools that would just say, "Well, okay, we're we're plenty full, but we'd make room for who?" I so what I want personally, and I'll, maybe it's a little bit because my dad played baseball there, but I mm. would love to grab Kansas and then pull Missouri in, and then you start to get a feel for those Nebraska's old regional ties. Mm-hmm. Those aren't going to happen. That's not going to happen. I think the Big Twelve has has steadied themselves enough. I think you have to look at who would be in the ACC. And once you start to get to that, it's can you grab a, a North Carolina and a Virginia? Can you get down into a Florida State and Miami and you, you really start to wrap up some Florida? So, but, but first and foremost, ahead of all of those, and I didn't lead with it because I just don't, there's no incentive for them to join a league yet. It's Notre Dame, yeah. right? Like it, it's Notre Dame first and foremost. Yeah. And you try to leave you, you leave room for them because eventually they're going to have to join a league. But you look to those ACC schools immediately. Will North Carolina go into a league that doesn't have Duke in it? Mm. Eventually, they might have to with those decisions being made mm-hmm. with a public university versus a private university, uh, and and where they start to find more of their fit. But yeah, I would look North Carolina, Virginia, uh, Georgia Tech in there as well. You start to look at the the size of the schools, where they can compete athletically, but their academics on the AAU side have become very important to the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Arizona, Arizona State, I know they're tied together. 
Arizona State has a massive uh, alumni yes. uh, network. Yes, they uh, do. So I, I don't know if that would be, a, again, the Phoenix area. Can you poach would... them out of the Big 12, though, mm-hmm. as, as the Big 12 has, starts to solidify themselves? Or does the Big 12 become a, well, they're they're the third, the third, there's there's the top two that are in the the tier one and Big Twelve is a tier two. Do those schools still look at trying to move themselves into the Big Ten or the mm-hmm. SEC? Yeah. We don't we don't know that yet. Um, we'll definitely start to know that closer to twenty thirty. There there are going to be more rounds of realignment. Um, but yeah, if teams decide that they want to move out of the Big Twelve, you look at the old Pac twelve schools yeah. that that established themselves a little bit there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're gonna take our second break when we come back. We're going to dig into, uh, we're going to start with the offense because, well, I, I know a little bit more about the <laughs> offense. And then, and then uh, we'll see, uh, we'll talk a little 3-3-5. Uh, by the way, think, be thinking about this during the break. Uh, have, who are the recent teams, have we played anybody who runs a 3-3-5 defense? Ooh. So think about that. We'll take a little break here talking to Caleb Henry. He's a sports director at KLIN. Glad to have you along on a Friendly Fire Saturday on 1499 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns. 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Caleb Henry. He's a sports director here at uh, KLIN. And uh, less than a week away from the big opener. Uh, I wonder, are you going to head up to Minneapolis for the big game? I you know I would have gone to Colorado for the game, but they're asking obscene uh, prices for those tickets, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I am a, I am a season ticket holder here. I will be right there for the Northern Illinois game. That'll be very exciting. Hopefully, we'll be two and zero by that point. Um, I want to talk offense, Caleb, just a little bit here. Um, it seems to me uh, when, when whenever anybody talks about the things, they're optimistic about the team. Mm-hmm. They. they it seems to start on the offensive side of the ball. You want to have playmakers. That's where you feel yeah. optimism. So what uh, is Gabe Irvin back? That's uh, yes. That's kind of the you think he's absolutely back. Yep, he's back. As a matter of fact, just a a week ago, so last Saturday, mm. you had Coach Matt Rule say that Gabe Irvin was the number one running back. Mm. Yes. So so now you've got it is game week, so we've got a, a depth chart and everything out. But you you just had Matt Rule say that Gabe Irvin's number one, and Ramir Johnson is a, a tremendous third down back with, with his ability to catch the ball. And Anthony Grant has just had some fumbling issues in fall camp, but that. That's a guy who almost hit a thousand yards a year ago, and Nebraska hasn't had a thousand yard rusher in several years. Yeah, yeah. So, if Gabe Irvin is your number one, if he can take care of the ball, you've got a really solid number two. Mm-hmm. And then Ramir Johnson is uh, there are NFL guys talking about him with mm-hmm. what he can do. That's that's a phenomenal one two three to have right there. But yeah, Gabe Irvin he struggled with injuries. If he can stay healthy, that's a you start to get yourself in the the contention of are you a top half running back in the league? Yeah. And he's got that potential. Yeah. Now we when we talk running game again. Old guys like me are used to the fullback. They're the fullback's back too. Yes. So uh, so how much of a difference does that make in terms of scheme? Is that a, is that a big deal or is that just kind of like a eh, you know it's a it's a it's a little bit of a throwback. It makes us feel good. But how much of a difference can that really make if your goal is to 
to be a running team. Well, it it's, can be situational as well. One thing that Nebraska has struggled with are short yardage situations. Mm. Third and a yard, fourth and half a yard. In the you haven't wanted them to do a quarterback sneak. I think you you might see Jeff Sims quarterback sneak more this year than we've seen anyone do for five, six, seven years. Um, however long you got to go back to to find a, a quality quarterback sneak guy for Nebraska, just because he's six five and huge. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of the running game. What it does when you bring a fullback in is you have to take away another skill position, air quotes, skill position, that you can't have somebody lined up out wide in the slot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing some of the guys that would have been tight ends just kind of rotate back there. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Anthony Grant leading lead blocking for Gabe Irvin. That's not yeah. bad there, yeah. especially if you think you talk about guys that feel a little nostalgic about it, run a fullback trap, and all of a sudden yeah. it's Anthony Grant with the ball. Yeah, That feels pretty good. Yeah. But, but what this can do for Nebraska is those short yardage situations. You get first and goal at the seven, and you, you just say, we're running it four times from here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do the two, three yards in a cloud of dust, having that extra guy in the backfield gives you that leverage of maybe you you surprise somebody by handing it to them, but obviously running ISOs just get and running powers and just having that guy be a lead blocker yeah. that takes one extra guy out of the equation to yeah. give your running back a chance. For Nebraska, what it most, most, most helps is those short yardage situations that have been such a pain the last several years. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Sims, quarterback. Uh, he, I mean, he's he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, well spoken. It seems like he's he's smart. He's learned the playbook. He's he's doing the right things. Who who would you compare him to in terms of his style? Because I don't think we've had anybody that's uh, that's kind of like him. Well, we haven't had anybody at, at Nebraska that's that would fit his size until you go back to like option quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, and especially if you think traditional Georgia tech, you know, you're thinking triple option there anyway, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily what they were running. So he's, he's a hard combination because I think they want to throw him first, but he can like, he can run the ball. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a difficult comparison for what Nebraska has had at quarterback and, and I'm not talking about his his potential overall, but mm. maybe, maybe you go back to a Jamal Lord. Yeah. Maybe you go back to an Eric Crouch. And Jamal Lord mm. specifically because of what the size he had at, at the position. Yeah. So from for, for Jeff Sims, he's got tremendous arm talent. He can throw the ball all over the field. Um, I, have, I haven't watched a whole lot of his deep ball, but a couple of them you saw from Georgia Tech. He could get the ball down there just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. He can run the ball, no fear with the size of his body. You don't. We've gotten used to quarterbacks getting hurt because of how much they run, so now we're a little apprehensive. We don't want to see that mm-hmm. too much, but it needs to be a threat. In, in, in yeah. college football in 2023, and for the last 10, 20 years at least as well when things have gotten spread out more, mm-hmm. You have to be able to run the ball with your quarterback. Yep. Now, his biggest issue, and this is the what it was for him when he was a Yellow Jacket, is taking care of the football. Mm. He's the returning quarterback who has the most returning turnovers in NCAA football. Ooh. So, <laughs> so can he take care of the yeah. ball with everything else that's new around him? Like you, you only have what was in front of him at Georgia Tech to look back to. How much can that you translate the good stuff and leave behind the bad stuff? Mm-hmm. Taking care of the football—that's the biggest thing for Jeff Sims in twenty twenty three. Yeah, there, he's he's is he's kind of a similar size to like a Josh Allen. 
Because uh, Josh yeah. Allen sometimes just tosses guys around like ragdolls. Yeah, and he, yeah. If you're looking for for an NFL comparison there, and obviously Josh Allen didn't play too far away from Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, he was out there a student athlete at the same time my sister was there at Wyoming. Uh, they were in the weight room sometimes together. He had a big security personnel. <laughs> fun. There are some fun behind the scenes stories about him coming out of Wyoming oh, to I the NFL. So. He's a big dude. He is a big dude, and I think that I think there's some merit to that comparison. Mm-hmm. Um. I do think Josh Allen is is a significantly better passer sure, than sure. what we've seen from Jeff Sims. Yeah. But if you're going on what the body size is and, yeah. and what you can potentially have, yeah, yeah there, there's a good comp there with Josh Allen for, for the size and the fact that they want to throw first, but he really can run with his size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now the other, uh, uh, it sounds like they're excited about the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of returning guys. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I'm going to kind of skip over them a little bit. It seems like there's a concern. It's just that we a deep threat, and uh, we we lost some opportunities there on the in the wide receiver core. But that seemed like again as the as last year wrapped up and as the recruiting happened, it seemed like wide receiver was a real emphasis and like there were some good options out there. Where do you think that sits? Yeah, there are. They're just young. It's it's mm-hmm. just, it's a lot of young guys. You've got guys coming out of high school. Uh, um, a Malachi Coleman who's six foot five, like you got size out there. Um, Jalen Lloyd coming down from from Bellevue West and just really really speedy guy. Could he take the top off? Yeah, but does he know enough of the playbook to come in as a true freshman who wasn't there in the spring to get all of those extra reps? Can he is his body big enough? Because you you come in, especially for a track guy like that. Mm-hmm. Can you get your body big enough to withstand a lot of those hits over the course of the season? Now, mm-hmm. Nebraska the last couple of years has been led in receiving that guy who could take the top off by a transfer coming in. Mm-hmm. Nebraska does have a transfer in Billy Kemp, but he's a smaller guy, and I think he's going to fit a lot more in that. Get him the ball in space, find him, find him across the middle, a little like a quick slant route, find him off the slot. Then he is that, what you saw a lot last year, hey, Trey Palmer's down there somewhere. We're throwing it up. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. That's not what Billy Kemp is coming in. Yeah. Um, and I think Marcus Washington is back. We, we heard that this week in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, he actually caught the first touchdown last year before he left the team a few weeks later. Yeah. There's talent in this room. I don't think there's a deep threat. Mm-hmm. And I think that has potential to hurt the running game because – that secondary won't have to sit as deep, but if this offense can find some guys in space, here's the part that'll keep that secondary on their toes. If the tight ends can be utilized and if Thomas Fedoni is healthy, mm. Borkercher, he's going to get himself plenty of run, and he's he's shown that he can be kind of a possession-type tight end. Mm-hmm. If Thomas Fedoni can be healthy and run some deep post routes, mm-hmm. that's a guy who can keep that defense honest um, and we we'll talk about things that are necessary in 2023. Having a utilized tight end position in the passing game. We we watched Travis Vokalite caught two touchdowns this week in the NFL preseason. Uh, Austin, Austin Allen and Jack Stoll have been catching passes in the preseason yep. for the NFL. Nebraska has underutilized its tight ends. When you look at a deep threat that the wide receiver room might not have, the tight end room can be that place to make it up. Uh, that's exciting. All right, one last break. When we come back, we'll do a little shameless plug. We will talk just a smidgen about the defense, then we're just going to rip through the the uh, the schedule. Sound good? <laughs> that works for me. All right. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Caleb Henry. He is the sports director here at KLIN. Glad to have you along. Less than a week away. 
Uh, you're listening to The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with uh, Caleb Henry here. He's the uh, sports director at KLIN. And uh, Caleb, it is that time where we do a shameless plug. I don't know if you have anything you want to plug or not, but... Uh, Obviously, this is the voice of the Huskers right here. Yes, and then there's there's obviously a, a finite amount of time that we get to be on the air for myself on LNK Today with Jack and friends over the course of the week. Always nice to sit down with you, the Husker Hour guys, in a couple hours here at, uh, at 9 o'clock. Um, but I give a lot of takes on the Internet, on, on Twitter. So if anyone happens to check that out, it's at I, Caleb Henry, the letter I, and then K for Caleb, Caleb Henry. And I am constant, whether it's during a game, out of a game, press conferences, that's the best place to find my takes away from KLIN when I can't get on the air. Yes, yes. And by the way, I'm famous for saying Twitter is kind of a cesspool because it, it kind of is in a lot of ways, except for when I'm watching a sporting event, I like to check in on Twitter mm-hmm. or X or whatever we're calling it these <laughs> right. days. And, uh, and whether it's you or Jack or whoever else, uh, just to, I, I don't really have much to say, but I just want to check in and see what everybody else is saying or something mm. happens that's weird. Right. And it's like, what was that? And you're going to be the guy or one of the guys who's going to probably say something or give a take or whatever. And so it's kind of fun to, to stay on Twitter. While and it's nice to interact with people. You don't always get a whole lot of that with radio. There's a lot of one-way us into the microphone. On yeah. uh, Twitter and social media especially, there, there's a lot more chance to have the conversations yeah. back and forth and hear some other points of view. Absolutely. And, uh, and and no politics when you're watching sports. It's no, I, I've tried to avoid those as much as <laughs> <Yes>. possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Avoid that. And uh, just for the record, again, if you need a place to watch, you come join me and just introduce yourself. And all we need to know is that you're a Husker fan. And we will hoot and holler and weep if we lose and, and a high five if we win. Um, all right. Just talk a little bit about the defense today. Uh, the uh, okay, the three, three, five. Yes, so three down linemen, three linebackers, and then five defensive backs. Is mm-hmm. that r- yes, roughly. Yeah. So f- for Nebraska, and you're bringing this in with your with your new defensive coordinator. Nebraska hasn't really played a lot of teams that run this. Mm-hmm. The biggest one that that folks would remember from a year ago is TCU ran it. Okay, and. Yeah, Georgia made it look bad, but they made every defense look yes. bad. So, so that's that's a tough comparison there. Yeah. And yeah, we're we're bringing this over from Syracuse, LSU. The last couple of years has run a three three five. So you see it in places. It's not as it's not as popular as going between a four three and a three four. But you can disguise a lot of things in a three three five. So that to me that that's its biggest advantage is that you can get an offense off balance with what you're able to show and move some guys around. So with the with the let's start with the three three. Some of those guys we're gonna have three down linemen usually, mm-hmm. but there might be of the of the next three, the linebackers, they might get up on the line, right? They yeah. might they could shift around in a variety of ways. Yeah, you could have especially what the, what they're calling their Jack linebacker, someone like an MJ Sherman mm-hmm. who goes out there and now He's effectively more of just a, a defensive end of what we would be a lot more used to. And yes. they can get up there, they can be in a two point stance, or they might go down in a full three point stance depending on what they're what they're attacking with. Yeah, yeah you can shift some guys around, but your base being that three three five gives you the ability to do that. Okay. Now they talk about this I mean, everybody talks about a defense being an attacking defense. But one of the one of the issues with the attacking defenses is is that they're so 
uh, attack oriented that sometimes mm-hmm. they're susceptible to fakes and uh, reverses yeah. and all kinds of things like that. Is that one of the concerns I have is that it's good. It might be kind of a feast and famine defense, right? And I guess we'll just have to see what it is because that's that's the biggest part. the The three three five itself doesn't give me that concern. Mm-hmm. It's when we actually see the team go play. How are they coached? Is it a bend not break? And we saw Nebraska be that a lot. But you look at a uh, Georgia Southern last year. Well, there was a lot of bending. And you just kept bending, and Georgia Southern kept scoring until eventually the break was that you lost and the coach was fired the next day. Yeah, yeah. So it's is this a feast or famine where they're going after turnovers? It's been several years since 2016 or 2017 that Nebraska has had a positive turnover ratio, mm-hmm. and part of that is because the defense hasn't had enough takeaways. Are they so active on the feast part that mm-hmm. they do famine a little bit? I don't know. We'll have to see uh, this next Thursday. Yeah, yeah. All right, got five minutes left. We're going to rip through the schedule here. Let's start with next uh, Thursday, uh, season opener at Minnesota, um, and and the only game, the only game that day, right? This is the this is the kickoff for the Big Ten. Th- this is it. This is it for the Big Ten. Yeah. Okay. So Minnesota, uh, we're we are seven point dogs. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but we aren't going to go for the spread. We'll just go for the win or the loss. I was like, man, if we go spread, I can change up some of these picks. For, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I think this sets up really well for Matt Rule that you haven't shown anything, but I do. Mm-hmm. I took Minnesota in this. Sure. And uh, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Huskers simply because, um, well, I am a homer. This is what I do. <laughs> but also, though, if you think about it, they've been substantially better than us the last few years, and I and usually we're losing like by a touchdown, mm-hmm. and actually should have won last year. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think there's a possibility there. So we'll go, uh, we'll go a, a Husker win on that one. Um, uh, Colorado, I, absolutely Nebraska. Okay, and and I think the the. I think the spread in that's like eight and a half. Absolutely, Nebraska. Okay. Oh. I think I think Colorado gets pummeled by TCU, mm. feels bad limping home, and mm. doesn't know how to recover with all of those transfers who haven't been there and gone through that in gotcha. Boulder. Gotcha. All right, we're going to be checks by that. A home opener, Northern Illinois. Yeah, Nebraska. Okay. You, you got you got to win that home opener with the new coach. Yes, we do, and that's a night game. Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, we love the see what they do with the fourth quarter. Um, Louisiana Tech, Nebraska, Nebraska. Yeah. All right. So right now, both of us have it. You know, eh, three and one ish mm-hmm. at that point yep. in the season. That could be pretty good with they, Michigan coming to town. With, with Michigan coming to town, and uh, uh, how how bad do you think it's going to get? That I don't think it's going to get bad, but I I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in Nebraska being able to pull the upset, even if Nebraska's four and zero. That that would be a, a really tough get there. So I got yeah. Michigan. I'm even the homer has to say no. Michigan's going <laughs> to probably. Take that one. Although, wouldn't we love a, a rematch at the end of the season? Oh, I'd take it. As West Division I'd take it. champions. All right, Illinois on the road. Uh, I've got Illinois winning. Illinois had one of the best defenses in the country. They lost a couple of guys, but they've got a lot of talent, and Brett Bielema coaches that defense really well. Yeah. I think it, it's between, to me, it's between Illinois and Iowa for the Big Ten West. Yeah. It kills me, but I think you're probably right there. And I would, But I, I would say this. I don't see a, a game on the board where we don't have a shot. Where, where something fluky can't happen. I sure, agree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Northwestern. Nebraska. Yes. I, I know things were weird in Dublin last year, but yeah, yeah it's it's north. There's too much happening yeah. in Evanston. There's it's, it's 
I, there's a lot to talk about there, but uh, <laughs> but I uh, that is just the weirdest situation with, with in so many ways. Uh, Purdue in Lincoln. That's another that's another opponent that Nebraska has on the schedule with a coaching change, and I think Nebraska takes advantage of that and gets the win in Lincoln. All right, well, I'll tell you, we're not that different on our picture so far. <laughs> we're pretty close. The uh, Michigan State and East Lansing. Yeah, I got Michigan State in this one. I think this is a, one of those when you look at the the losses. Yeah, kind of like the Minnesota. This is a more winnable game for Nebraska, but I do think the Spartans take it. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's the smart pick. I'm gonna go with my Husker Husker, Husker pick there. Uh, Michigan State. I I I I just think they're. Yeah, I think they're gettable. However, uh, the last uh, two of the last three are at home. Maryland. Maryland's got. A, they've been bringing in a lot of talent. They didn't play bad last year. I think Nebraska gets it though. Yeah. I've got Nebraska winning here. I, I got to agree because I'm a homer, but I do, I'm, I'm very worried about that. That's game. a talented team that could be sneaky in the yes. East and not look as good simply because Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Exactly. They, that's exactly what I – so while I do pick them, it's with great caution. I'm not sure about that. Wisconsin, what I, is Luke Fickle doing up there? If you would have told me you got, you got Wisconsin early in the year – I would have really liked that. Mm-hmm. I think this is enough time for them to for them to figure some stuff out. Now, hey, Nebraska could do it too, but Nebraska is mm-hmm. not going through the same kind of changes and doesn't bring back the the same type of talent that Wisconsin does. I think the Badgers get this one. Yeah, I I, I so hate to agree, but I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> and then last, uh, Black Friday, Iowa in Lincoln last year. Uh, we should have actually won bigger, mm-hmm. but they. Uh, but and uh, <laughs> and so it's a rivalry game. Yes, uh, your your pick. K- uh, we don't even know if Cade McNamara is going to play for the Hawkeyes. It seems like he's hurt. That could hurt their entire season. But I did originally pick Iowa for this game, so I'll I'll still stick with it. Okay. Iowa on Black Friday. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the Huskers on that one. I think <laughs> that they're gonna figure some things out and. And the rivalry games always a toss up at yep. home. It's, we're due. So I'm six and six. What did you end up at? I ended up at uh, eight and four. I'll take it. So, G- uh, give me yours. <laughs> all right. Let's, <laughs> let's hope it happens. We are out of time. Thank you so much for taking time to be here today. I appreciate it. Absolutely Caleb. love it every time. All right. We uh, uh, go big red. Uh, if you don't have a place to watch, find some friends. Watch it. Root them on. I leave you seeing as I always do to think about it and talk about it. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,